Come on. They're right there. Let's go. Move, 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 move. This episode of Choices Not Chances podcast is sponsored by Louisiana Gun Shop. Located on Highway 90 West in Broussard, Louisiana, just south of Lafayette. For more information, stay tuned at the end of this episode. This is Choices Not Chances podcast with Ryan and Matt. I'm your co-host, Matthew Charette. Sitting next to me is Ryan Rogers. Ryan. All right. Hey, guys. Thanks and welcome back to the show. We appreciate you coming out. And just like every other episode, if there's anything within this episode that resonates and that you want to share with other people, please don't be selfish with the information. Today's guest is somebody that I've known for quite some time since the Marja push. He was uh, 0341 with 36 coming in uh, into Marja 1. Uh, and he's actually mentioned in the book, Lions of Marja. We'll go over uh, that a little bit later. Uh, later after Marja, he became a uh, school train scout sniper. And then goes on to AITB to, to actually work and instruct uh, at the actual school level for snipers, which is uh, something that we'll get into a little bit, but not too much. And uh, some, you know, Kyle Mahalik's uh, been been trying to get him on the show for a minute. Um, and one thing or another, logistics wouldn't really kind of pan out for us. But now it's uh, now it's we've made it happen. So uh, thanks for coming on, bro. Hey, thanks. Uh, really good to talk to you. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I've been looking forward to the conversation. I've had I've had a couple of the Marja guys on that, you know, push with us, uh, the guys that are watching the show. You know, it's not all Marja Marines, but it's some of us. And um, I've been really wanting to get people. I've had a couple of the guys from inside my squad or inside my platoon. But you you uh, you did great, great things in your own right, you know, in that push. And I'd like to get to that at some point. But, um, you know, before we get started, uh, you know, pushing down into 2010 I'd like to go back before that because I like to try to understand where people are coming from like what was the family dynamic um brothers sisters parents uh was the religion in the household that kind of stuff so if you can kind of take me to the beginning and where you come from and we'll work up to uh up to service yeah not a problem um so I was born in a small city uh in southern New Jersey uh Bridgeton it's called um my parents divorced at a really young age. I think I was maybe preschool or kindergarten, uh, you know, and then uh, my mother got remarried. I stayed with her for most of my life through childhood. Uh, and then my father got remarried shortly after that. Uh, and he lived, you know, like in the next town over. But um, yeah, I would go see my dad every weekend, you know, with the rights and all that. And uh, my brother and I, um, yeah, we go visit. And I mean, he was, you know, a huge impact in my life as far as, you know, hunting, uh, you know, doing some shooting, stuff like that, uh, you know, outdoor stuff. He always tried to stay connected. Um, and I still have a really close relationship with him now. Uh, as far as my mom, um, I mean, she did what she could as, you know, uh, we, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. You know what I mean? We seemed like we were bouncing from house to house every year. Uh, renting and everything. I, I must have went to a dozen different schools growing up in the area. Um, you know, and uh, she got divorced again when I was in high school uh, from my stepfather. Um, and then she ended up, she's now married to the same man that she met after that, and they live down in South Carolina. 
and I got a pretty good relationship with them. Um, we just don't get down there too much. You know how it is. I mean, being up here and I relocated back to Jersey after, uh, sure. out and after 10 years and, um, you know, and now we're just kicking it up here. Gotcha. So, so, so you spent more, more time at your mom's or less time? Uh, more time, I would say. Okay. And that's just because of custody agreements and things of yeah, that nature uh-huh. is kind of out of Yeah. But your dad still stayed very involved, got you on the man path as far as hunting, tracking, fishing, outdoor stuff. That's great. Now, yeah. was uh, was religion in the household at any point when you were growing up? Um, not on my mom's side, but on my dad's side. My uh, my stepmother, uh, you know, she we went to a Baptist church there. Uh, so I was born Catholic, but uh, okay. we never kept up with the Catholic religion stuff. I think I went to a Catholic school for like, kindergarten through second grade, I think, um, in a town nearby. And we just never kept up with it, but they always went to a Baptist church here in town. And, uh, you know, we would go every weekend. It was part of our Sunday ritual, you know what I mean? And, um, yeah, so that, that's where I kind of developed, uh, you know, a sense of, you know, some sort of higher being. God. Sure. Sure. And your brother, how old, older, younger? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, well, I have an old, this is, yeah, it's kind of wild. So (laughs) I got, so I got a, my biological brother that I lived with, you know, that's what, you know, between my mom and dad, Mm -hmm. uh, his Nick and he's Navy Corman. Um, and he's, he's, yeah, he's two and a half years younger than me. Um, and he's been in since he was 18. So now he's probably going on 14, 15 years now. Uh, Yeah. He's down there in Maysville. Um, now he's down Uh, here by me. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Right by you. He's, he's right down the road from there from uh, what is it? Alliance. Well, is that range we shot at was out that yeah. way, right? Yep. yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's, he's right down the street from there. That's who I stayed with when I was down there and saw you uh, last year. Now is now hold on a second. Cause you're, other, that's not Nick though, is it? Yeah, that's Nick. Oh, that's Nick. Okay. And Nick yeah, has yeah. his own podcast too, doesn't he? Yeah. He was doing it for a while, but then he deployed. Um, He had a deployment down to South America and he just came back and I, I don't know if he's necessarily messed with it since then. Um, okay, okay. Yeah. Well, what was his? What was the uh, name of his podcast? Um, going ashore or going, uh, going ashore or something like going ashore podcast or something. Going ashore, I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, I'd have to look uh, it up the exact name. I wasn't sure if he was still rolling. I know we talked in the beginning a little bit offline yeah. about it, but uh, yeah, make sure he revisits. We revisit that for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because he was with you at the range, right? When I met up with you yeah. guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, good stuff. And he—you said he's younger. Yeah, two and a half years. Yeah, two and a half I mean, years I, younger. He's got to be thirty-four now. I'm thirty-six. And you but, said he just deployed. Who's he deploying with? Um. Well, he just got back from. He was at, I believe it was at division level. Um. He was doing something there. Okay. Uh, at this point. Um. So. Yeah. He. I. At this point, I don't really know what he's doing exactly, like, at this moment, like, who he's with. Um, but, check, check. You know, he was doing some things, you know, with Wounded Warriors and all that stuff, so. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. Well, shout out, Nick, where you at, man. Get up with me when you get back. Um, yeah, so, as we walk through, you you know, you just kind of a split up home. You and your brother stay together, more time at mom's, but you're definitely getting that heavy dose of man things at the dad. And then do you remember the earliest recollection that you can of wanting to serve or where that came from? I mean, I always thought it was kind of, I mean, I played with the GI Joes when I was a kid, you know, I had the guns, the cap guns, you know what I mean? Sure. Playing war and all that stuff or, 
you know, good guy, bad guy stuff. Um, but I really think it, it probably hit me like in high school. I mean, cause I was a freshman for nine 11. Um, I saw that, you know, um, you know, everybody remembers where they were for that whole thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I mean, we're, we're about three hours from New York city, but it was kind of chaotic here, you know, remembering it all, you know, they locked down the school and they turned on the television and then they ended up sending all of us home and everything. Sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I thought about it then, and I always thought about, you know, when I did think about it, then it turned into, like, there was, like, a gap, you know, and then uh, the Iraq invasion, you know, in 2003. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw all that, and I was, I think, a sophomore or junior in high school at that time. It was like the um, shock and awe campaign. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I saw all that from afar, and I, you know, and I saw guys starting to talk to recruiters and stuff, but I never really took it seriously, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then, and, um, from all that, you know, and then, so then from there, uh, I went to, after I graduated high school, I went to a community college for two years. Okay. And Where at? It, uh, it's called Cumberland County College. Okay. Um, it's a local college here. Uh, so I got my associate's degree and then I was like, I was about to go to a four, you know, a four-year university to finish my bachelor's. And I was like, you know, I just, I couldn't do any more school you know, I get it. So, I mean, and that's what led me to, so my, at this point, going back a little bit, I have my junior or senior year. I moved in with my, uh, with my dad and my stepmom just because of housing situations going on with my mom, you know, and stepdad at that time. Gotcha. Um, I moved in with them. I finished high school with them and that's where I started my college, you know, cause you live at home when you go to community college, you know, no big deal. So, um, I finished that up and, you know, I'm starting to talk to them about joining the service, you know, and they see what's going on. They're smarter than me at this point, you know, with, you know, the news and everything. Geopolitics, you mean? Yeah, yeah. I'm not paying attention to that. You know, I just see what I see is I'm seeing like gunslingers and stuff on the news. You know what I mean? Like that's, you know, and I was like, that's what I want to do. Well, they kind of talked to me. They kind of talked me out of it at first, uh, the whole infantry Marine Corps thing and all that. And, um, so I was like, all right, well, I'll go talk to an Air Force recruiter and see what they got to tell me. So I actually was in the debt for the Air Force uh, initially. Cool. And yeah, yeah. And it was like something that wasn't in my heart. You know, I felt like I wasn't, you know, it's nothing against them guys. You know, we all serve our purpose, but it was like, it's not what I wanted to do, you know. Check. Uh, so. And you, like, and you got that feeling from the debt program. Uh, I don't know if it was necessarily from the debt, but I just knew that, you know, I wasn't going to be. You think you were more doing it just to appease your parents. And then the more yeah. close to God, it was like, no, nah, it's just not my people. Yeah. I yeah. Pretty you. much. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I just, if I'm doing this thing and we had that discussion, I said, I'm doing it how I want to do it. You know, that's right. And, and I mean, that's when I told them, Hey, I'm out and went right across the hallway to the Marine Corps recruiter. And I uh, talked to him, and I think I, I graduated college in early May, and I was off to uh, in 2008, and I was off to boot camp like two weeks later, um, right around Memorial Day. Now, how did that go with your brother? So that's the funny thing. So my brother Nick. So you know, I got I got other siblings too. I got a you know I got a half brother Joe on my dad's side. He's older than me, um, and then I got three step siblings as well from my stepmother 
Sure. Uh, but with, with my brother, Nick, I didn't even know he went to boot camp with the Navy the same time as I did in the Marine Corps, like two weeks later, hmm. like, you know, so you like find out through a letter. Oh yeah. Your brother's in boot camp. It's like, Oh, so, so his story was, you know, he, he always had like this medical thing, you know, that he wanted to do that type of stuff. Like, I mean, in some ways we're similar, but in other ways we're like polar opposites, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so he initially went to them and was like, Hey, you know, I want to be a corpsman. Um, and they were jerking him around, you know, with the date he was leaving and all that stuff. Well, then I, I don't know, somehow he ended up, he, he ended up telling them, Hey, if you don't get me my contract and I leave within this month, I'm joining the Marine Corps and following my brother. Cause he just left and got what he wanted, you know, Sure. If they probably would have told him no, he probably have been right there in another battalion, right alongside of us, which he ended up turning out being in two six anyway. Okay. And, uh, you know, so. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Yeah. So you guys, yeah. So you're stationed on the same, same damn base and everything. That's good. Yeah, he actually ended up living with me for a little bit in between deployments. <laughs> that's sick. That's dope. I wish I could. I actually, I did have a little bit of. Uh, family um, my brother moved down for a couple of years he moved down when we when we deployed in 10 and okay. kind of helped my wife and him and his wife came and stayed and uh ended up planting down here for a little bit but uh they're back up in ohio now but that's cool now now explain now what what's your relationship with your three step siblings is it you pretty tight with them uh i mean we're not really tight i would say you know it's just I mean, everybody's busy all the time now, you know, life. Uh, I mean, growing yeah. up though, when you left for boot camp, are you tight then? I, I, yeah, I would say we were okay together. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, I mean, we, we all knew each other from such a young age. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and that's the reason kid. I ask is it's just leaving siblings is it hits, it hits a little different. Like it hit a little different right. for me, even though I wanted to go and everybody was happy, you know, that I was doing what I wanted to do. I had three brothers that I had to look at and be like, Hey, I'll see you later. You know, and you don't know when later is going to be later. might be 18 years later. Right. Uh, right. uh, in, in some dynamics, you know, some family settings. So, um, did you, did, did, did you seem to struggle with that at all? Or was it just like, this is what I got to do and I'm doing it. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I can't, I don't know. I don't really remember struggling with that. I do know that is because, I mean, maybe it's because, I had a young fiance at the time. So okay. my wife and I were engaged when I left and everything. So I guess that was probably in my head more than, you know, the other things. I mean, we we're both young, both 21 years old, sure. two years old you know, uh, starting this new chapter in our life. And, uh, and I mean, you know, she's been great through the whole thing. I mean, we're still together, been married 14 years now, got two kids, you know, she's been through all that stuff, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, special you know, woman. Oh yeah, you're absolutely right. And I'll tell you what, them, them women really hold it together when we were doing what we did. Oh man. Yeah. And they held it It together and yeah, yeah, it does. And not only just to, just to hold it together while we're gone. Um, but then the aftermath of it, you know, the, the, you know, all the things that come with war that, that, that we've, we talk about on the show often. Um, and you know, I've had conversations with my war buddies many times where it's like, uh, yeah, like I can't believe some of them don't leave like the yeah. things that they have to go through. And, 
you know, the change, you got to fall in love with a new person maybe sometimes, you know, that, that kind of change. So, uh, shout out to all the, um, all the wives and spouses out there and girlfriends holding it down for sure. Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. So, so, uh, nine eleven, you think is probably what, what would have been your catalyst? You're pushing, you're pushing pool. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. I mean, I always got good grades in school. Um, they had this program back then. I don't know if they still have it now here in the state, but uh, if you graduated with over a 3.5, you got to attend uh, two-year school for free, like tuition-free, you know. Um, so I took advantage of that, and if you maintained a certain GPA, you could go to a four-year university, and uh, basically it's paid for as well, like a scholarship. Um, so I was taking advantage of that. I didn't want to give that up yet, I guess, until I wanted to give it up, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> I understand. But you got your associates out of it. Yeah. Then you then you join the Marine Corps and mm-hmm. off you go. And then you're gonna be three six is your first unit then probably, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. And you check into three six when? Oh nine? Oh eight? No, yeah, October of oh eight, I think I finished SOI. They bust us over. And it was like my whole company got our whole boot drop because I can remember that master sergeant marching us through the drop us off, marching us. And then I think those boys had just got home from Iraq. So some of them were still around, you know, and you can just hear the screams from the, from the catwalk, you know, and the third, (laughs) you know, the whole, (laughs) yeah, he's marching us, you know, the whole company. And then um, what's funny is is like, what I'll never forget is they were still on leave. I think some of them like a block leave or something. Some guys were around like post deployment or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, they had us do like uh fire watch, like roving fire watch on the barracks, wearing our road guard vests and stuff like that, dude. Oh my goodness. It was like, <laughs> that was the worst thing that yeah, you could throw, you know, 150 privates into. Yeah. Not like, fun. Right off the bat, man. They said we're 150 of you and not like yeah. 10 of you. Yeah. That's true too. 10's, 10's worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, when you're all boots, you all blend in together. So That's I mean, right. It's harder to you know, get picked like, out, man. Yeah. So what was that? Uh, was that on Thursday? It could have been. I, it's I usually that field day night when that boot drop comes, man, oh, yeah, for some reason. Been. Yeah, it may have been. And, I mean, they, they kept us in our own little, like, platoons until, you know, the command got back. Oh, because it was, like, no senior guys there, right? Like, exactly. ones and twos? Okay, okay. Yeah. I mean, you had guys transitioning. You had guys coming in, you know, starting to come in, all that stuff. So, yeah. And then I'm uh, <clears throat> not sure what month, it was, what month it was, but they dropped us into that, uh, you know, into our companies and our platoons. We found out where we were going. Check. And you go to Kilo, yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I went right to Kilo Company. Uh, my whole section was pretty much, it was all, we were all boots, man. Like, you know, and uh, we. And we you're a one. 41 in the beginning, yeah? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I knew I wanted to get sent to the 60s, you know. I didn't want to go to 81s just because. You want to be like guns instead of heavy? Yeah. And yeah. why? And you're doing a little more. I mean, you know, we were carrying it everywhere we went, you know, overseas, you know what I mean? You got multiple ways to employ it um and i felt like you were more in the fight if you were with that weapon system because uh you know in boot camp we were or not boot camp but soi we really didn't get a choice you know 
Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, you guys are all riflemen. They pull riflemen from weapons platoon. Hey, switching in and out. And they're like, hey, you guys are going to be 51s, machine gunners, you know, uh, mortarmen. Yeah. You know, like, and you had a high, you had a high GT score in good grades. And they looked at you and said, yeah, you're going to be a weapons MOS. Yeah, maybe if that's the way they looked at it. I, don't I mean, know. were you an instructor at ITB afterwards? Oh, you were yeah, at AITB. Just at, a, just at AITB. Yeah, so like at an ITB company, and it's kind of jacked up, but even when I was there, like when I was at Alpha Company, as soon as the boot, you know, as soon as the boot drop would come, they would get divvied up and you'd take the highest GT scores would go to all the weapons MOSs um, okay. generally. Uh, generally speaking, I'm not saying everybody did it that way, but generally speaking, that's how it went. Usually mortars and 52s would get the super smart guys, machine guns get the next down, and then everybody else would kind of run down to us unless they wanted to be an 11. Right. And sometimes, you know, they didn't get a choice. I, I mean, also, I was ignorant. I didn't know any better. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you see what you see on television. You play, you know, you play whatever video games you might have played back then. You, You know, you whatever it is you you watch you know your war movies and everything you know and like i didn't know the difference between a rifleman and a, you know a, i mean common sense would tell you a mortar what it does or a machine gun or you know i had no idea what an assaultment was i was just thinking of breaching and shooting rockets you know but, right and then like and then you learn that at soi though and so yeah. i assume because i served with you just after i assume you got some pretty good training at least in the handheld Oh yeah, yeah. Or uh, I remember uh, go through that a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Christian Balance. Um, I believe that's his name. Yeah, I think he's an officer now. Shout out. Yeah. So um, he uh, I mean, he was a phenomenal instructor. I mean, with us. I remember one period during I, uh, you know how you do like the whole, you do everything together at first, and then you do your weapon split. You know, like towards the back end. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I can remember. Uh, you know, him just running us through drill after drill after drill and those, you know, right in the quads, you know what I mean? And then, um, you know, like gun drills, you mean bubbling up, yeah, getting yeah, set gun drills, that stuff, uh, you know, calling in our adrax, learning that at a young age and everything like that, you know, sure. um, you know, taking orders for that. And then also, uh, I can't remember when it was, I, they got to do something similar to this now. I think it was towards the end. Uh, you do like a, like a pex. But you you go to all these different stations and you you do a lot of hiking and everything. Uh, does that? No, are you right? talking about at SOI? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure they do. Yeah. Yeah. So so it was something like that, and I can remember on a hike back from Verona, uh, probably on a Friday or whatever, uh, injuring my foot. Like I think I had a stress fracture or something, and I mean it was bad. Like you know how it is when you're when you're and you're hiking weight. Yeah, yeah, and that's like new to me, you know, um, and I was hurting bad. And, you know, I made it back fine or whatever. And then that Monday, we went back out to the field again. And we're doing, like, all these evolutions, like, as a, you know, as, like, a section. Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. around different stations and stuff. And I was, like, I was hurting. And he asked me, he was, like, what's wrong? I said, my, I was, like, you know, staff, I think it was the staff sergeant. I was sergeant at the time. Uh, you know, I was, like, sergeant, my, uh, my foot is jacked up. Like, it hurts right by the toes. And uh, he was, like, well, I ain't never dropped nobody yet. He was, like, I'm not dropping anybody now. So, I mean, just the impact to like, think about that as an instructor, you know, mm -hmm. like if he would have just said, you know what, screw it. I don't want to take a chance of this kid getting hurt and, you know, and then possibly it coming back on me or, you know, like I didn't go see a corner or nothing. I just sucked it up. But like, 
what would have happened with my career would have totally changed. Yeah, you know? could have could have completely went a different direction, especially yeah. if you got rolled back, you miss Marja. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it would have just been you know a different universe for me. Would have been different. Yeah. Would have been different. So yeah, I do think about that sometimes, you know, and he, you know, and I pushed through, and you know, we graduated and all that, and then. I actually got to have him as an instructor when I went back to mortar leader course at AITB. Okay. So he was one of my instructors there for that. Uh, you know, and that's, it's a pretty tough course, you know, is that and before Marja or after Marja? That was before. Yeah. Yeah. yeah good. Yeah. Now, yeah. now what do you do? Okay. What, what's some of the stuff you're learning there? Cause I never, um, that's not my, you know, you know, that's not my forte. Like what yeah. at advanced mortar leaders, what are you learning? Like I understand yeah. the first part, but what are you learning there? So you're learning, uh, so you're doing basic mission planning stuff, you know, getting your feet wet with that. Um, and then you're doing you mean um, like fire mission planning, yeah, fire tracker mission boards planning. and stuff like yeah, that. Uh huh. Yeah. Like taking tar, you know, like, you know, pre-planned targets, stuff like that, you know, and then you get into employment of the, of the weapon systems, the sixties and the 81s. And then, um, then FDC is a heavy portion of it. Uh, explain that. And your 81 boards, uh, your fire direction center, like basically, so you're, you're putting a map on a board, you know, mm -hmm. with your plots, with your, you know, position and then the positions of friendlies and then also enemies and figuring out, I guess, uh, your trajectory, but also your azimuth to, you know, engage the target success successfully. And so, we're talking about, cause we're going to be firing over units. And then there becomes an issue, you know, especially if you have air in zone of deconfliction. Yes. So understanding your max or, uh, and all of that's being taught at that school. Yes. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. It's pretty, uh, yeah, I would say it's one of the more mental schools that I've been through, uh, as far as that stuff goes. Yeah. Because I mean, and that's, coming, you know, I mean, <laughs> if you screw that up, yeah. you know, I mean, you screw it up, you know, you're, Somebody's going to get hurt. You're potentially hurting or killing yeah. some of your own people. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, there's a lot of stress involved with it uh, as well. Um, yeah, for sure. For sure. And so I I'm assuming that coming out of advanced mortar leader course, you're probably at the top of your mortar game, right? Yeah. And yeah, when did I, you go I, to that? So, like, when well. did you graduate that school? I want to say... It was sometime in 2009. I mean, I was, you know, mm -hmm. the few guys I went to it with from my battalion, I mean, they were all squared away mortarmen, you know. Another one was in our section as well. Um, all squared away guys. And, and I, we did fairly well as a group, 436 in that course, you know, mm -hmm. even compared mm -hmm. to some of the senior guys that were in there. Um, yeah, so. Which makes sense to me. Like, I didn't know that, you know. Uh, I missed all of the workup with 36, which, you know, I've talked about. Yeah it enough on the show but i missed all of that so it's interesting going back and hearing where you guys you know fell in at and the different training you got clearly the training was great um because you guys did great things afterwards but the you know i missed the workup so i always like talking to you know that back and forth a little bit yeah so you're going to come out of that like what like in 09 and then you guys are going to do your main uh evolution out in the west coast right yeah, yeah, I think shortly shortly after that, we did, you know, we came back, we did, I remember being in the rear for a little bit, and then we did, um, <clears throat> we did a couple hikes and stuff, I believe, um, 
I can't I can't remember how it lines up if we did the hikes after or what, but I got meritoriously promoted to corporal during that time frame. I mean, like really young, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, finding myself as a leader, you know, because I was leading like my peers now, you know, yeah. like, which is, you know, it's the most difficult thing to do. It's I was going to say, why don't you shed some light on that a little bit? Because that's something that's that is difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's a cliche to say everyone always says it. But I mean, until you've sat, you know, in that chair, or you, you know, you're you're the one, the voice up front, you know, leading guys, you have the same amount of experience as they do. I mean, I would say that, you know. I mean, it's difficult and it it also takes a mentality where, you know, and I've learned over the course of time, you got to train, you know, treat people different. There are some people that respond to getting yelled at. There's some people that respond to, Hey man, get pulled aside. Let me talk to you. You know, that's right. That's right. it's It's just the way it is. I mean, and you know, I, I was fortunate throughout my time in three, six or AITB, wherever I went, I had really good leaders, you know, like, people I could go to. And if they weren't, you know, I'd take what I liked from them, you know, and then what I didn't, I'd throw it in the trash. You know what I mean? That's it. Build tools, you know, for that leadership toolbox, you know? That's it. Yeah, I would I would echo that, especially in 3-6. The small unit leadership level to the middle management was just impeccable. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, I'm, I'm writing a new book right now a little bit on leadership, and I talk about that as a whole chapter is because – leading peers like it takes a different mindset and especially leading guys like like we have you know leading combat guys these are some of your best friends and sometimes you got to get in their ass but then it's got to be completely dropped the next day or the next afternoon because you're hanging out later and that part of it is a balancing act where it's like i'm you know i have to correct you but i don't it's not a personal thing and so when when you're young same as same as you, you, you put that on young, you know, it can, it can sow adversity with some of your friends. Cause it, you know, first, the, first of all, I think there's that competition, uh, that you have to, if you're the friend, you have to kind of level with like, well, he got there before I did kind of thing, but then, then he's now in charge of some of your movement and some of your activity. And so what I find, like what I found is treat people good and people are going to treat you good, you know? Don't let that power go to your head because it's just a title. A title can be removed just as quick, right? But if you yeah. if you use your you know use your title to help your Marines, your Marines write your fit rep, and that doesn't matter if they're your peers or not. If they recognize that you're using their your title to better their life and better their training and look out for them, then there's there's no way you can go wrong with that. But I would say I would say on that though, man. There's a lot to be said about the different personalities, especially when you're leading in an organization like that. You do. There are some guys you got to bust their ass and be like, hey, hey, dude, you know, just like this. And that's what they need. Yeah. And then there's those other guys that if you were to do that same exact thing, it could shut them down. Boom. And they won't work for you or they don't, you know, motivation or whatever has gone out the window. And so leading in in an organization like that does, man, you got to feel it out. You got to fail a lot and then, yeah. and then kind of recalibrate what worked and what didn't work. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's the same way out here on in civilian life as well. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I mean that organization, the Marine Corps, I would say, you know, we can get into it later is very similar to doing line work that I'm doing now, you know? Sure. I, mean, I would like to compare bunch- it later. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Later on we can go over it. I mean, it's, 
it's a different mentality, but the same mentality of people. You know, you understand? Like, sure, you know, sure. Like, well, and you, know, you guys work in a team, and you work in an yeah. environment where if somebody fucks something up, some somebody's going to blow their arms off. You know, yeah, I mean, exactly. so it's a it's a trust game that you still play uh, as a lineman, and that's definitely. Definitely something that was appetizing to me as I got out, as I was kind of navigating where I wanted to be, I had looked into that. And it's like, these guys go on storms, kind of like little mini deployments. They work in small teams, kind of like we did. They, you know, it's a little bit of danger to it. There's some long hours to it. And uh, and I think a lot of guys, especially infantry guys, I think they can make kind of almost a seamless transition into that. Yeah. Um, uh, you can speak to it better than I can. but Yeah, and I mean, I, I know a few. I mean, it's just – the, the biggest things I've learned about leadership, too, is, like, have multiple ways to attack a problem, you know, and then also don't take it personal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Listen to the message, not the way it's communicated to you. That's right. You know? That's like right. You, you can grab the message out of something from somebody. You know, you don't have to like them or not, but as long as you're getting that and they're communicating it to to where you can get that, no matter, you know, however it's said to you, whether there's some cuss words thrown in there or you know, whatever it may be, you know, just take the message. Don't take it personal. Put your head down and move on. Like that's right. Wrap up, you know? That's right. And, and, you know, I think that's, a that's where a lot of people get uh, sidetracked. Maybe not so much the, you know, the military or the infantry community, but it can be as you get out and somebody like crushes your little soul in a, in a, in a talk because you jack something up. And instead of like taking that and, saying okay you know regardless of how he said that this is what i messed up and this is how i cannot mess this up again instead of that they're just like start feeling bad oh my boss hates me and now they're going to act a certain way you know or, or be reserved around them and like that's just the wrong fucking answer the answer is exactly what you said delete the mess or delete the delivery retrieve the message fix it and move and right. you know we are all going to fail if you ever want to do anything in your life worth doing, you're going to fail many times, you know, and yep. failure is where growth is found, though, because next time I go into it, now I have a little bit of essay on what not to do. Correct. You know, so uh, love that. Love that. So getting back to it, you guys get back. I think this is going to be right around where I drop in. You get back from that. We do a couple of hikes and then it's um, we make the push. Now, we don't have to spend a ton of time here, you know, or we can. It's really up to you. But I want to know what your uh, what your big takeaways are. Let's go from the first 10 days. And then I want to talk about that money shot, at least in the five day war from the handheld. OK, um, so just backing up before the first 10 days a little bit. Okay. So when it when it really hit me, I would say is uh, you remember when we were doing like those IED lanes and stuff. I think I think we were on Dwyer at that point, weren't we? No, that was on Leatherneck. Okay, Leatherneck. Okay. Yeah, so we we're doing like those IED lanes and everything. And I can remember being with Hines squad. Um, and I did a couple with him. You know, I think we just had a team, you know, with him. Um, and because at that point, we knew we were going to be with second platoon, the guys I was with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like, after the first few, he was like, hey, you're running this one. And I was like, I am. He was like, <laughs> Yeah, you're running this one. He was like, if something happens to me and you're out here, you may need to lead this, you know? So it was like, okay, you know, and then right on the spot, go through the whole thing, you know, and run it like he would, you know, try to emulate how he was running it, you know what I mean? Sure. Um, 
and it, that was like when it really first hit me that oh this thing is about to be real you know yeah we're about to do this for real yeah yeah i think it I, hit everybody about that point right between yeah. between the ied lane and then that little range that they erected for us outside the gate of leatherneck there or dwyer whichever one it was where we did the maneuver range, uh like the squad maneuvers you remember that range yeah. Yeah, yep, yep. When we ran that range and we had rockets from our ANA and we had APOB shots, it was like, okay, boys, this is, yeah. Yeah. That we've, I've yeah. never done a range like this before, before deployments. I've done a lot of deployments. I've never done any of this in the workup once we got here. So this is going to be different. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. So, and then I, when I can remember the first day, I remember, you know, shoot loading that bus up and the bus i was on crashed like the night before uh like the driver was had like a flashlight out the window that was like brighter than the headlights and we crashed in that ditch or whatever happened i remember hearing about it i didn't know if yeah, it was real or not <laughs> yeah it was real yeah i was on that bus um and then i believe we didn't even leave that night we left like the next night or something and the next night yeah yeah so uh you know i can remember i was the last one, or I was the first one off on my stick on the bird. I believe it was like me, uh, you know, at the time, Stas Arnowen, who was like very helpful throughout that deployment with me. Oh, he's uh, amazing. The dude he was, man. And I mean, he like. Shout out Staff Sergeant Jeremy yeah, Owen. I think yeah, Gunny, I'm not sure what he got out of. Yeah, I think he was a Gunny when he got out, I believe. Um, and I mean, he called me little brother throughout the whole deployment you know what i mean like because i was like on his hip for mostly that beginning you know time mm. uh, first few weeks at least and uh yeah i remember being on the back of that bird man and they, you know that ied threat that they were briefing us on and i'm like i know they're not gonna land you know um and i i can just remember like how pitch black it was mm. uh, out there like how pitch black everything was you know and you can um and i just remember when we got down i feel like we may have jumped out a couple of feet and it was just like plop because I had to go to that, the far side of the half moon that we were making, you know, getting off the bird. Um, so I remember everybody just started getting stuck in the mud because you, your packs were full of ammo and like those first strike meals, that was it. You know, you didn't have any warming layers or anything like you That's had right. what you had, you had what you had on. And uh, yeah, I remember, you know, we peeled off there and, it was a slow go. It was not perfect at all, you know, <laughs> from what I remember. I mean, it just it was not, getting, not textbook. I was like, if we start getting shot at right now, I ain't even been shot at yet, but if we start getting shot at right now, from what I've been taught, we're, we're screwed. Some bad shit. <laughs> and it was like, you know, um, yeah. So we were, you know, way down. I remember having, I think my pack was full of mortar rounds, you know, and, I forget how many we had to carry, but, you know, we split amongst among all of us. Many of them. Yeah, we didn't have those. Uh, even you guys had to carry some, I believe. Mm, yeah, uh, we had fibers on, on our packs, too. You know, yeah. well, I mean, that's what it is to be a grunt because of how heavy your guys' gear is and how bulky it is. You know, you guys will load out everything you can, and then it gets spread load to the 11s that mm -hmm. are rolling with you. And uh, everybody was rolling heavy. You know, yeah. I, I want to say that everybody's packs were averaging between like 75 and 100 pounds, depending on who, who could carry what. But grenades, claymores, yeah. mortar fiber, small, uh, small rockets. Uh, yeah, man, everybody was weird. Everything, you know? Yeah. 
Sure. And I know, you know, I can remember just, you know, getting stuck. I didn't get terribly stuck, but stuck enough. And there were some guys that couldn't get up once they fell, like, because their packs were so heavy. You're in, you know, almost knee deep mud. And yeah, I can remember how cold it was and everything. Uh, yeah, because it was balls cold. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I can, then after that, I remember moving to that, uh, that first compound under the cover of darkness. But also, if I'm, if I'm right in thinking, I can remember like an A&A squad or platoon getting lost. And we had like air overhead and they were saying there might be an enemy, uh, you know, closing in on us. That's right. Um, you remember that? That's right. That happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, no. And they like got dropped off and wandered off somewhere. I don't know what happened. <laughs> yeah. So that was Woundy. If you remember Woundy Goal, I gave him a firefly before they loaded their birds and he was supposed to activate his IR firefly as soon as he got on his bird at Leatherneck. Well, he didn't activate it until they were like a couple hundred meters out from us stuck in the mud. Okay. And that AC-130 called down and said, hey, you got an enemy element moving on you. Yeah. yeah. And then we brought cobras in. I don't know if you remember yeah. that, but we met Lear, but brought cobras in and we were about to take care of that issue. And then Woundy flipped his switch and he started blinking. Yeah. And so those choppers... <laughs> Dude, less than ideal. I mean, you know, something that big, though. You know, stuff's going to happen. Oh, I mean? my gosh, man. That was so yeah. close to being international incident. Minute, yeah. minute yeah. four. Yeah. Shut him down. <laughs> yeah. But I. Yeah. Gee, yeah. And I can remember moving to that that comp, that first compound. A foothold I, compound, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And we stayed there for quite some time. Uh, I think yeah, all day. Until, yeah. Until uh, daylight. Right. And then oh, we, all day. We so I mean yeah. we we moved over to Shinny Wall. Uh, the next like as the sun went down, remember we shot those apobs off. So we were at the foothold building from like probably three thirty in the morning or four in the morning until like sundown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, till sundown, and I can remember that's when we first started taking fire. Was, no, sun up. We started taking fire. Sun up. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah right there, right then and there. Yep. Because uh, I. I don't know if it was your element or what, but somebody split off and no, that was Hind, that was Hind and, and uh, two Bravo. They split off and went up, uh, kind of like up to the left, and we yeah. were my guys were in a gunfight straight to the north, so straight out the back. Those guys that were deep, and okay. I think you and Jeremy Owens were running guns for me because I was calling yeah. mortars back there, right? Yeah, yep, yep, yep. That's right. Yep, because yeah. um, I climbed up on that roof in that building to see if I could spot where they were. Cause I think there was some sort of miscommunication going on at first. Yeah. Well, it uh, was, it was really, it was me when the first round impacted my dumbass was in my scope. Oh, okay. Where I'm not supposed to be. And I missed the adjustment. Okay. And so they were like that, that was the miscommunication. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so if you're, uh, don't be like me when you're spotting a mortar round coming down, don't be in your glass. It's for real. You, you'll lose it. So. But yeah. Yeah, yeah so. that, that then I think um So were you at the foothold where the 60 tubes then? Yeah, yep, During yeah. all of that? Yep. Yeah, so mm -hmm. that was Hind and and two Bravo then that were over I guess that would have been like northwest. Okay. Building yeah. with like a it had like a yellow gate on the building. Yeah. Mhm. Mm yeah, so and then I can remember I guess I don't know. Somehow we ended up consolidating, right? Before we moved to like that first position right 
Um, uh, yeah, everybody reconsolidated at that foothold, and then we yeah. blew. They, they had the there was an IED on the on the land bridge, so we yeah. blew the APOL observer that, and then at night, and then we, you know. Yeah, I got a funny story about that. Let me hear. So, it. <laughs> yeah, so when we were, so I remember before it blew, it was like right at dark when you guys blew those things, I believe. Yeah. Um, because I remember some chatter about maybe some enemy over there somewhere or something was watching what was going on or something. Um, so I can remember there was like, there wasn't too many places like this, but I remember like a glass pane being in that compound. And when you guys blew those eight, blew that APOB, that ID detonated or whatever, that thing shattered the glass. In oh that building. yeah. You told me about this offline. Yeah. We talked about it a yeah. little bit. I never knew about that. Yeah, I was it shattered like, oh, the whole glass in the building. Yeah. Well, it was two APOBs simultaneously. Yeah. And then I think they simp-deaded one or two IEDs on that bridge. I, okay. I, I can't be certain of how many yeah. were there, but at least one. Yeah. And, and it, it shattered like, all the glass in there. <laughs> yeah, it shattered the glass. I was like, holy shit. You know, like, we're because we're tucked behind the wall waiting to come out, you know? Yeah. And then I remember our, our – I don't remember exactly the, like, the movement of order for that whole thing when we were going. I just remember being in a ranger file – and uh, I was towards the rear. Um, and I remember snaking along with some Ken lights. <laughs> yeah, the Ken lights. Yeah, so it was like, you know, being towards the rear, it somehow it started getting past like which way to go around the Ken light. <laughs> so at this point, I think every step I'm taking, we're going to step on an IED. And then, then it ends up, you know, coming back from the guy in front of you, or you can hear like, you know, hey, to the left or to the right. And they're like, to the left or, or maybe to the right. Like, it's like, oh, my goodness. Roger, 50-50. Like, yeah. Yeah, so that was an adventure, man. I mean, uh, I don't I don't remember how far that movement was, but. It was a couple I, hundred meters. I, yeah, it was like. A few hundred meters, anyway. Yeah, it was like puckered the whole time because we didn't know towards the rear which side. I mean, maybe it's, it was just a guy in front of me, the way it was communicated. It's know. so funny to hear that because I was dropping them. And, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a great after action to bring that up because I was dropping the lights. I had Wetzel at point and I was basically right on his shoulder dropping lights. Um, so thinking about back on it now, I never passed what side to walk on any lights, but yeah. to be sure I was dropping them with my left hand because my right's got my gun. So probably yeah. you should have been on the right the whole time. Yeah. I mean, you <laughs> but know, I don't know. I don't even know way. who started you passing either. word. I like, I don't know. I mean, it was a whole platoon, you know? So yeah. I mean, a, pl a, pl a platoon plus. reinforced. Yeah. Yeah, yeah dude. A lot yeah. of people. Yeah, it was yeah. probably like, uh, gosh, I don't want to say, I don't want to say and be wrong, but I want to say it was 300 at least to snake over to Shinny Wall through that opening and then link up with them. Maybe it was less. Maybe it was more. Yeah, that was a nerve wracking walk for sure. And I, do you remember the pillars being out there? Just like mud pillars in the middle of nowhere? In the darkness? No, no not really. Well, we're like we're like easing through there, and I'm dropping chem sticks, and then Wetzel freezes, and I see like this figure, a few feet away to the left, and I'm like, oh my god, and we hit it with the white light, and it was just like a mud pillar, <laughs> like my knees go a little wobbly. I'm like, you were scared. No, you were scared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, was it you um, when we got over to Shinny Wall that night? Was it you that sank the base plates? Yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, my God. Like, we got the order to sink the base plates because we're going to be there for a while. And I think at that time, most guys that were able to had fallen asleep. Yep, that's right. Could. My whole squad was yeah. sleeping right there. 
Yeah, and it was like I told you know, and I told Jeremy, I was like, man, these guys are gonna shit themselves because like, <laughs> it's a loom like charge. Well, forward. you came and told me you were like, hey, yeah. we have to sync these base plates just yeah. to let you guys know if you want. And I was like, all right, but they were already asleep, and I was like, yeah. man, I don't know when they're gonna be able to sleep again. It was yeah. like we could get attacked right now. Like you know what I mean? That's what I was yeah. thinking. I'm like, no, they'll yeah. be good, and I'm cleaning my weapon. Like yeah. they're they're all asleep. I'm cleaning my weapon. Woo. Them things went off, dude. Everybody <laughs> jumped the hell up, dude. I was like, man, like you, know, you feel bad, but everybody's already such on edge from the day, you know. Yeah. You're trying to get sleep when you can because it's so damn cold, and we had nothing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. I remember that. Yeah, that was. <laughs> Those guys come up clutching their chest with one hand and their rifle with the other hand. I'm like, whoa, my bad, my bad. This is my, this is on me. This is not yeah. their fault. They told me. I didn't yeah. tell you. <laughs> yeah, man. And if I can remember, those walls were pretty low in that place. They were. Yeah, because I remember. Well, well, in some of the places, yeah. In the place we were in, it was like interconnected, like half highs. Yeah. yeah. So, because I can remember uh, McCarver running around, like, you know, hunched over the whole time everywhere. And he yeah. would run everywhere he went. It was like, hey, you need to have your Kevlar on, you know. Yeah. And it, I was in, I remember, the little. there was like a little little building and then the wall um and i think we were sleeping right there right by the mortars yeah uh, right where we were uh yeah man yeah that was wild it's funny that um every time i talk to guys from my squad when we're talking about stuff like this or at the you know little reunions we've had a reunion one time that always comes up hey you remember when them 60 sank that base plate I'm like yes i yeah. do <laughs> vividly yeah that's always one of them yeah, and then I can remember, um, I mean, it was so cold. You had Marines spooning with each other, you know what I mean, like that you would never see in your life. Like I slept with, with Jeremy underneath a space blanket. That's all we had was a space blanket and a poncho. Oh, you yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Like it, like, like it was real, man. Like oh, guys, yeah. guys were freezing, and God forbid if you got soaking wet. Oh, yeah, dude, and everybody was from fighting. It was like yeah, you're so, fighting all yeah. day, and you're hot, and you're sweaty, and then, the you know, the fighting's over, and you don't have a change of clothes, and now the wind's hitting you, and it was cold. It was in the 40s, I would say, maybe lower 40s. I don't want to say low 40s, but probably mid-40s, yeah. and that sucks. I remember where, like, it was like maybe the second or third night I was crawling into that corral. You remember that, like, where that circus tent was? Yeah. I was crawling in there because I had just gotten off watch and we had like water or food or something trying to come to us in a couple hours. And I'm like, I got to get a couple hours. And I'm crawling through there and I mean, I'm froze, dude. I'm like, because my same reason, I was all wet from the day. And now yeah. that, that cold set in and I was like, I got to find Grimes. He's got the most batty fat out of all of my Marines and I'm like spoon up next to him. So as I'm like crawling through there to find Grimes, Herbie sits up in his black bag and like whips it open. I'm like, dog, I'm freezing. He's like, all right, dog, get in. Yeah, I'm like, in. yes. So I had to split a split. I told him, I, I ran into um, his cousin golfing today and told him that story, yeah. which is cool, but uh, and not that really that cool. But it happened. Yeah, exactly. It was cold. No, I mean, dude, Can confirm. That's, that's dude, you know? <laughs> yeah, so, and then I... I don't know how many days we were there for, whatever. I can remember that resupply in the middle of the night. That was a shit show where all the water exploded. Yeah. You know, I remember that. Um, I can remember getting shot at through that build. you know, at that building. Uh, I think you guys may have been out at that time. Maybe. Um, I don't remember that. And 
at the time it was the I can't remember what squad was there or whatever, but that at that point that was the closest time I came to get shot because Stas Arnold was next to me and he got that that round the way it impacted the top of that wall he dove down and I thought he was hit mm. and I said I was like Stas are you okay and he was like yeah he was like that one was just close so I was like yeah it was was that Jeremy yeah mm-hmm. okay so that's probably at the Alamo in the beginning right where they dropped yeah. the water yeah yep. okay yeah. okay and then uh first Arnold was there too and he was like I can't have you up there that's what he said to him. And then I can remember, I still remember this, it's funny, it's like, he, when he did that, I made like the Forrest Gump, you know, impression, like something bit me, mm-hmm. like, you know, <laughs> he just told me to go fuck myself, you know, and, <laughs> he didn't find it as, as uh, comical yeah. as you did, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> funny. yeah, because he used to have his, like, his, uh, you know, like whatever you know and he'd be like you want some you know his snuff you know his that we pack and all that you want some yeah yeah it's just yeah it was yeah, that funny. comedy in the moment that you can have with people you know, yeah 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 so serious i don't even know how you develop it that fast or oh you have to you know how it comes you gotta have a sense of humor you know yeah you gotta, you gotta have thick skin a sense of humor and and really i mean i think it's we're all the same all of us you know especially from that time, everybody, you got to have a dark sense of humor because I don't know how else you get through some of it. Cause, yeah. cause most of it just sucks. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. if you can't um, laugh at it or if you can't try to make some light uh, of the situation, then uh, you can be, it can eat you up. And then not sure what day it was, but I can remember when you guys were doing that uh, thing out towards the cemetery uh, for the original Hanson base. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember we ran some fire missions for you guys up that way um you know along with the other stuff that came along with it you know hearing stuff come over the radio and everything like that and yeah. you know i ch- i tried to take a tube out and go with you guys at that time but, you mean on the 21st yeah mm-hmm. it would have been good we, yeah we got told we had to stay with that mortar at the uh at that compound, you know, just in case we needed the, uh, the FBC or whatever to roll. Um, yeah. So, yeah, we got, so, I mean, you know, it's one of those things. It's always hindsight, but it is what it is. You know. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. The, 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 the bitch of it is, is that we had Cobras ever top that day. And because we didn't have a certified JTAC on the ground with us, they wouldn't do a type two control or type one, whatever it's called. So they would not fire for us. And I mean, Makowitz landed a, a yellow, uh, 40 mic mic smoke marker literally on, on one of the machine gun bunkers that was spraying us. Yeah. And they said they couldn't get PID. And it's like, I had PID shoot that fucking rocket at that bunker. You know what I mean? And, yeah, and, then, and so we, know, we got hamstringed with that. So I know cause it, it you know, and, hearing that it sucks because with those mortars those 60s it was like on-seat commander could on-scene commander could you know clear it and yeah well course, we later did right yeah later yeah, on yeah. you rolled with us everywhere and you yeah. were direct I mean, support towards like you know the middle half to towards the end of that deployment i mean i feel like i would have put our section up against any in the marine corps at that point oh dude how we were employing those things with the you know with the company. dude you guys in handheld and we'll get to the five-day war shot but 
I talk about it in speeches with Marines. I've talked about it in my book because hands down, that is the best mortar shot I've ever seen training or otherwise. And it wasn't an easy shot. It's not like you had a static target. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But, uh, but no, you guys, section was phenomenal. And, you know, it got to a point where, you know, I think for all of us, especially all of, all of the straight legs, it, it got to a point where it's like, Hey, who's in the pits today when we're out? Hey, who's man in the guns today when we're out? Hey, who's man in the Mark 19 today when we're out? And if you heard a couple of names, you're like, oh, fuck yeah. Because you just knew, like, nope, that section or that section or that squad of machine guns is money. And and most everybody was money. I'm not saying, like, we didn't have a whole lot of light chinks in Kilo. No, everybody no, was right. heavy hitting. So, But there were always names and personnel that I got warm and fuzzies with your section was my warm and fuzzy tube section for sure i mean co- coming from a you know what the weapons platoon as an attachment you know i mean i felt the same way when we would do these briefs and you you know you're going to these four patrol bases with different people you know what i mean you know who you are com- really comfortable with and that's right not necessarily so much you know what i mean like, that's right well and it's going to be like that and it doesn't mean they're weak but it may mean that you and that squad leader get along better or like see tactically the same way or you know there's different things yeah for sure Mm -hmm. but um i mean that's always going to be there for sure yeah that's 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 innate it's going to happen especially when you got it's harder with kilo because everybody was pretty damn good like honestly uh but it's definitely going to happen if you have a weak section and a strong section Right. And any weapon, you know, any weapon that there is, you guys, you got a guy with a weak section. It's like, oh, I don't know if I want them supporting me. Right. So don't be a weak section. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, let's just get to it. So we, we did a lot of banging, had a lot of practice, fired a lot of rounds, and then we get kind of, kind of closer to the end of the deployment. And we go on this five-day war. And this five-day war was basically just five days of us going up and getting in their backyard, blowing their supply route bridges up. And we were doing this in the anticipation of our relief landing in zone. Um, right. Yeah. Which, which was awesome. So that kind of sets it up. But give me your, give me your rundown of that war, of that five days. Yeah, I knew we were getting close to going home. So it was like, you know, one of those things. But I also knew you know, it was something that was necessary for those guys and, you know, for the, for our success as we RTB. Um, yeah. So I could shoot. Yeah. I remember going up there. Uh, initially, I think we, we had a tube in handheld, I believe. And then we sunk one um, from what I believe. And there was a few of us guys up there. I can't remember exactly who was there. I think you rolled with JT squad. Okay. Uh, yeah. And two Bravo took, yeah, and, two you, Bravo got, and you guys took the, uh, you guys took the patrol base and then yeah. my squad kind of skirted you guys, and then we combined and then kind of kicked out of that patrol base for yep. a few days, right? Yeah, running different stuff. Yep, that's exactly right. And, um, yeah, I can – and working with two Bravo, I mean, he was phenomenal to work for. I mean, I like, going back, he was pissed when I told him I was taking the scout cyber selection. Like, he was like, – I bet. He was – he like, he was pissed. Yeah. You know, don't do it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so – You know um, him. You know him. Yeah. Shout out Big Whiskey. He's one of the best yeah. best out there, especially with the straight straight leg uh, yeah. 0369 that I know. So he can yeah. get after it for sure. Yeah, and, and, you know, working with you guys was always great with the platoon. But, you know, at that place, man, I can't, it was nonstop yeah. during that time, those five days. I mean, you know, not that it wasn't kinetic the whole time, but it, 
it kind of it slowed down a little, you know, but it, it was extremely kinetic up there. Yeah, up there was bad. Well, it, you got to remember what happened. Like we operated for several months and we never pushed our northern boundary because it was the southern boundary for the Brits that were to the north of right. us. And there was always deconfliction. So there was that bubble of like three or four hundred meters. And they figured out right where that bubble was. Yeah. And then in that five-day war, I think we just pushed all the way up into that, whatever it was, Charlie Echo or Charlie Mike, whatever it was, in that section, and then we planted. And then we pushed into yeah. that right onto the edges of that bubble where we hadn't really been where we hadn't really been pressing them for the last four months. And I think they just kind of like were like, oh, fuck, they're on us, you know? Yeah. And, I mean, we – I can remember we shot a lot of rounds up there. I know that for you guys. I do know that for a fact. I mean – Fuck I don't yeah, know what day it was. It was some gunfight where a guy got wheelbarrowed into our compound or right next to it or whatever. You remember that? Yeah. Like I don't mean I don't even remember what that was about. Like he was a spotter. He was a commander and he was spotting yeah. us and uh and I think it was Knuckles shout out shout out Kevin. Kevin Knuckles called me up and said he was gonna take a shot. And so I was like waiting forever for the shot and finally the shot rings out. I'm like, Knuckles was taking so long. I mean, he's static. He's like, well, I hadn't shot anybody in the sitting position yet, Sergeant. <laughs> so he got in like the like crisscross applesauce, got in a good sitting position and laced this dude up. And then uh, the dude had the gumption. He didn't get pulled up in a wheelbarrow. He made it. He oh, like okay, he cool. like walked up and got triaged by Doc H. Um, yeah, because I remember that being a big deal. Like, you know, this guy was coming. Yeah, because we had him on ICOM chatter what the hell are you doing? You know, why are you coming here type of thing? You know, mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm. we had him on ICOM chatter. So we knew he was a commander. Cause then after he got shot, they were like, Oh, the commander just got shot. Okay. Right. Yeah. And then he walked up, he came up to get, he got triaged to Lashkar guard. I don't know if he uh, made it or not. Yeah. But yeah, I do remember that. So the, the shot that we're talking about this, uh, amazing shot, um, to set the stage, I had been out. Um, we had been in a gunfight all day. We came back after, you know, after working for a while, I think a couple, several hours. And then it was like JT, I want to say JT squad was going to push out like the evening patrol. Yeah. So they push out, you know, probably like two, three, four o'clock, somewhere like that. And when they get up there, they get into it. And, and I want to say they're in a gunfight, they're in a gunfight, but they're out well off to the east when we see the squirter from their gunfight kind of squirting out, right? You remember this? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure you do. Of course you do. Well, this squirter has like a either a – I don't remember if he had a had a mortar tube on his moped or if he had just uh, like a medium machine gun. I, I know it was a bigger gun. I just can't remember. You remember what he had? I think, I think it was a gun. Yeah, I think it was a gun too. I think it was like a RPK style weapon yeah. and here he is squirting. And all I remember is Herbie was like your aiming stake. Yeah. You calculated like flight time. Yeah. Some, somebody was like holding up. Here's where we need it to hit. And here's how fast he's coming. Yeah. It was like, yeah. Walk me through, like, walk me through that dude. Yeah. It's cause it was just, you know, it's just one of those things. I mean, we got good at that though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, the, the moving target thing. I mean, you know, there's, a lot of luck in that you know what i'm saying i mean i'm you know, not saying there's not some luck but you, you know, got to get it in the right ball you got to get it in the right ballpark for that luck yeah, it's to just one of those things like we got good at it. it's like hey i mean even even before that it's like hey you see those trees right there hey two fingers over from these trees hey i'm gonna stand right here along the wall 
you know, use me as a stake. You yep. know what I'm saying? Like it was like some unconventional ways we were using that system. Shit worked. Uh, yeah. And it was like the same thing there with Herbie. You know yep. what I mean? It's just like, Hey, do this. And you know, fire, you know? <laughs> yeah. That's what it was. So Herbie runs up to the, to like the courtyard wall and he's like right here. So you're yeah. using him as an aiming stake because we know that's where this guy's coming to. Yep. And you're like, oh, yeah. three minutes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This guy disappeared. We had it like on near surface or something like that. We used a lot of that there with those guys, especially like. Like air blasting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Because of the tree lines. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he disappeared. Yeah. I mean, that's awesome. Yeah. It was. It was. uh, That and the uh, the high mar shot on the two guys on route taunt. Oh yeah, I remember that. I saw were the most direct hits I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that on a G balls. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty wild. That was wild. It's like yeah. they heard the rocket come off of the UAV. Yeah. But yeah, that was just, that was way too like, late. They almost like ran into each other. Like, <laughs> they did. That's <laughs> sick. We shouldn't be laughing about it, but it happened. Yeah, yeah, and it's funny. Yeah. Okay, so what other um what other leadership challenges did you face in Marja? What are some of the leadership challenges? I would say I mean, not necessarily from the guys at that point, from the section or anything. Like, we, we became very tight, you know. Um, uh, I would say a leadership challenge for me there was also talking to some of these platoon sergeants. Like, you know, say, because we shared posts too. Yeah. You know, and then we had the mortar tube as well, you know, if we needed it sunk there uh, at Riley. Um, I can remember, you know, having to, you know, we'd always have to send us a, uh, a squad with the OPs, you know, when we were, we were manning in. Uh, and then we would also have to contribute to post. Um, but then, you know, the same dynamic you guys had. Then you guys had guys going out on patrol, but then also um, to these four patrol bases. Well, we could get spread, you know, we would get spread pretty thin, mm-hmm. you know. And I can remember getting into it with one particular platoon sergeant about it. Um, and I'm a corporal at the time, you know, the first deployment, everything. Uh, yeah, and he pretty much laid it on me pretty good out there because I told him I told him that night our guys weren't standing post. Like I told him that, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, naturally, you know, he won't get staff hear that. NCO. You know what I mean? Getting out as a staff NCO myself, I wouldn't respect some boot corporal telling me, yeah, hey, you know, my guys aren't standing post tonight. Excuse me. Bless you. Thanks. Excuse me, man. Sorry about that. Yeah, that's um. So, did your guys stand post? No, they didn't. Outstanding. I went took care of it. <laughs> Look, man, there's some things that happened over there that we were spread really thin, especially in the early days. But I feel like, as a whole, I feel like they did a good job of not overtaxing us after the first thirty days. Yeah. Or forty days. Right. When we were up at the CAG and we had to like split into different you know, split our squads into two, two different sections and then run with weapons, plus ups and A and A's, man, that was, that was overtaxing. Yeah. Uh, but we had, we managed it and we did, you know, we, we, we figured it out, yeah. but really after that, man, we, 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 in my opinion, I think we, there, there was a lot to do. There, there was a lot to do, but I don't think they overtaxed it too bad. No, I think like, like, 
I mean, that was just one thing, you know? I mean, oh, no, 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 no. I know there's one thing. There, there, yeah. There's always the yeah, little like, things. I'm just glad that they weren't the regular. You know, right. I'm glad that wasn't the rule. Yeah. That was yeah, more of the I, exception. And again, it goes back. I mean, our leader did a phenomenal job. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, small unit all the way up. You know, I, For sure. I got nothing but good things to say about people when I talk about 3 6 and the unit I was with. And I mean, you couldn't be more proud. You know? No, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Now, talk to me about this because I come back when I come back. I sh- I I go over to ITB then, and you didn't you stay? Yeah, I stayed for so, Marja two. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay, and you so, go as Marja two as a forty one or as a sniper? As a sniper. Okay, talk to me yep. about that evolution. So shortly after we got back, um, well, so shortly after I got back, uh. I don't, when did you leave? Did you leave shortly after that deployment? Yeah. So when we got back, uh, it was a couple of months and I went to infantry squad leaders okay. course Okay. because I hadn't been and I needed to check that box for my career. And then I came back from Islick and was only there like three weeks or four weeks and checked into combat instructor school. So I just, once we got home, I just wasn't around much at all. Yes. Yeah, so, so. So shortly after, I can't remember how long, it wasn't too long after, like post-deployment leave and all that stuff, um, I ran the scout sniper selection uh, with the battalion, you know, uh, got selected, and then, you know, all of us were doing our, you know, our pig thing around battalion for a while, and then uh, March of 2011, I went to school up in Quantico. Okay. Um, Graduated school, all that, came back. And now we're getting close to deployment. I think we graduated like May, end of May, something like that, you know. Um, oh, so you're coming, you're coming out of that just fresh, yeah, trained, and I'm sure yeah. in shape as hell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, pretty much that's the way. And I mean, you know, we had a very good reputation as a platoon for the battalion. With you know, you had Keller there, Smith, uh, you know, uh, Hunt. You know, we had, you know, great leadership in the platoon as well. And then when I came back, I got put in Smith's team, Tyler Smith. Um, and uh, Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, phenomenal team leader. I got nothing but good things to say about that guy. He's a friggin' warrior. Um, Still trying to get – I'm trying to record him. He's uh, His work schedule yeah. out on the West Coast doesn't align well with recording times, but we're going to get him. Yeah, he, he's a phenomenal he dude. Yeah, he is, man. I got nothing but good things to say about that guy. Um yeah, so I got put on his team, but the thing is, I got back from, so my wife comes to pick me up, I think, because we only had one vehicle at the time. We had my pickup truck, so uh, I think she came to pick me up from base, and I was like, I got back and found out I was leaving three days later after being in Quantico. Wait, after sniper school? Yeah. You didn't yeah. know the deployment was coming up? That they didn't, they, we knew it was coming up, but we didn't know the dates. You know oh, what I'm saying? Man. Like everybody had different time slots per company, you know? Yeah, check. So I knew it was coming up, but, you know, you're kind of out of the loop up at school. You know what I mean? Like, and she saw me a few times throughout school, like on the weekends and stuff like that. Cause uh, it was in, you know, she went back to Jersey when I deployed and stuff. So to stay with family, check. you know, whatever. But we got moved in or whatever. I However it went, but I can remember her bawling her eyes out because I was like, I got to leave in like three days. Yeah. So, yeah. And she got pulled over and everything on the way home. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, she was just driving erratically. I can't, but whatever. You know, and I felt terrible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I 
Saller, you know, and I'm about to go do this thing all over again, you know. Yeah, and she went through the first one with you, so she could only assume yeah. that it would be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Just as bad, you know. I mean, yeah. what can you now, assume? did you know you were going back to Marja from your workup? Um, did you already yeah, know? You knew, knew we were going to the area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So, and, and and what did you say? Uh, so you're now you're in sniper platoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's a different dynamic. So who? you don't find out who you're going to be in support with until or support of until you get a little closer downrange. Yeah. They, yeah, but they kind of knew it throughout the workup. Okay. Um, okay. I was going to be part of India company. Okay. Uh, and, uh, so Smith was a team leader and then I became his ATL once I graduated school. Um, and one try, yeah. right. You went to sniper school one time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah first time. Yep. Yeah, um, yeah. so we went there. Uh, yeah. So going back a little bit. So, after after that happened, with told me I had three days before I had to go. Um, I called and somehow I was able to work out a deal to where I left with Lima Company, and I got like a week and a half or something like that. Because you know, you're just coming out of school, just to, yeah. they were working with you to to be able to see some family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because I really didn't get a pre-deployment. You know? Yeah, check, check. Yeah, so yeah, they worked all that out, and I ended up flying over there with them. So I had to like do like the basic, you know, in package you know, in country training with them. And then they finally kicked me off to, uh, India company over like, to India. Yeah. Two weeks later. Or whatever. Now, now did, did you work in any of the same spots that we were in? Um, yeah, actually. Well, almost. almost. So we, we got bounced around a lot. So we were in, uh, what was it? Um, we were in Trek now for a little bit. Uh, they three, nine ended up making this, uh, PB. I think it was three, nine or two, six, whoever, or yeah, three nine. That's who we ripped with. Um, Detroit, and it was one of those routes over there. I forget, like near Treknawa, and you know all that. Yeah. Over there, and then we weren't really in the, like in Marja proper. Outskirts um, mainly, or yeah, like outskirts mainly. Yeah. Um, okay. And we were along that one route there. I forget what the route was. Uh, a lot. Like doing ops with them, you know, doing our own thing. Smith did a very good job at being proactive. The uh, the CO we had then, he was phenomenal with snipers. He loved work with snipers and utilized us to, you know, good. do what we do, you know. Um, and then like towards the middle or towards the end of deployment, we actually got our team got attached to one six Charlie in KES. Okay. So that happened because one six two of their companies got put up in a what was that? bad place up there and uh the id sistani sistani nah, that don't sound right. the peninsula uh, i wasn't on two so i don't know I'm trying to remember what that place is I'll, I'll think about it as soon as we're off here but it was it was further north a little bit okay uh, they, they had they were taking a lot of casualties up there so they got two companies that were put up there and we got basically bastardized with one six charlie oh no yeah, so we were we were actually operating with one of their platoons for a little while up there, uh, right along the river. Did you get good work with them though? Yeah, we got pretty good work with them. I mean, you know, it was wasn't too. You just know how it is. You know, you're like you're getting attached to another battalion, another company. You don't yeah, know I get that. They don't know you. They yeah. don't know how they want to employ you. It's just a good thing that you know Smith did a great job at it. And I mean, being proactive, you mean, and and staying staying in the ears, I'm sure, of what his capabilities were to the yeah. CO. And, it, and I mean, it was different up there because it was all, it was very green. Yeah. But your engagements were, you know, 200, 300 yards. Like there was a lot of green. I mean, they even gave us the green, uh, 
frogs when we were up there. Sure. Yeah, because I mean, it was just that's just the way it was. And actually, we rolled with uh, Anglico guys rolled with us a lot up there. Hmm. Uh, so we had that air asset. Um, yeah, and then we we finished up up there. They ended up attaching a third platoon from India Company up there, and we had a patrol base, and we stayed with them for like the remainder of deployment. It's like back to daddy, huh? Yeah, yeah. Falling was, back uh, under them, that's always nice. Yeah, yeah and it was cool because we had a really good relationship with that platoon and that platoon commander and platoon sergeant. Who was it? Uh, the uh, the platoon commander was Zigarelli. Okay. Uh, I can't remember the platoon sergeant's name that much. Gotcha. Hell yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, that's a lot closer of engagements. Those are chip shots for you guys, eh? Yeah, yeah, it is. But it wasn't as kinetic as it was when we were there. You know? More few like, and far between. Yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot less. You had yeah. more. It, it was a lot less stuff. And you killed all the Except stupid ones with your tubes the year prior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean. You should have left some of them for yourself with the, with yeah, the long gun. IEDs here and there, you know what I mean? Some, uh. Mainly IEDs, you think? I think mainly IEDs. Got shot at a few. Uh, who, 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 one of the, I, I was told, I can't remember what, who told me. It was one of the other companies, though, that was more kinetic on two than the other two companies, right? I don't know which or was one was it one, evenly. I don't I don't know which one to be honest with you. Like you which know. one more kinetic. I mean, cuz we ended up getting Lima Company's uh their sniper team back to us uh eventually and we combined and made one big team so we could just mutually support each other probably outside. Not, probably not them then, huh? Yeah, so it could have been Kilo, but I don't know, but Kilo kind of bordered us um cuz we did a couple op combined ops with them. Uh you know, and check so few and far between but you got good work and you got bounced around a little bit that kind of sucks but yeah tyler being who tyler is looking out for you and taking care of business that's dope so shout yeah. out there for sure uh and, and then, what's what's your highlights from that deployment i mean i guess just the experience of doing all that i mean you know it's just totally different operational you know mindset you like it better i mean like it's an honest question. You go from doing a long range thing like uh, dropping mortars and rolling with the guys to supporting them in a different way. Which one did you like more? Yeah, I mean, I would say I liked. Uh, I would like. I like the second one a little better. You know, because I. But maybe that's because I came there with that capability of being able to, you know, call for fire and stuff like that, which made that part of my job a lot easier. A little more seasoned. A little more learned. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. I mean, well, and you come at that deployment from a completely different mind space too, because you're just getting out of school over here. Now you're school trained. You're thinking strategic. You're thinking uh, recon. You're thinking, you know, yeah. uh, call for fire. And you're going into that deployment, like you said, from a completely different mindset than you were coming into this one. Well, so it's different know, work. It is. And then when you get briefed, your ROEs and they're totally different too. I'm not totally different, but. A lot less. Wasn't an open city no more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah you're like, you, I mean, you kind of get a little disappointed, but then, you know, there's a reason why things are the way they are. You know what I mean? To where they get a little more strict because you come there with this capability and you're like, darn it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Now, was uh, Tyler was already in stay when – we did, yeah, he did the first deployment when uh, we did one. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. going to say. Yeah. 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 He had a spicy one too. 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so when we come back off of that deployment, what's it look like for you? Uh, well, I re-enlisted on that deployment in country. Mm -hmm. uh, I mm -hmm. wasn't totally sure what we were doing as 3-6, but I did the Op 4. Um, and then shortly after we got back, I found it out we were going to Japan, so I had a bad attitude about that, the wrong attitude probably, you know. And then um, Well, you wanted to go back to combat? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah now, now it was going to be my show. I was a chief scout at the time, you know. I had my own team. You know, now it was going to be my show for the most part, you know. Yeah, um, you don't want to go over and do a UDP or float over to, yeah, I get it. Yeah, and I had a bad attitude about the thing, but before deployment and everything, I got, man, I got sick of going to schools. I mean, I was very fortunate. Um, I went to Mountain, uh, then I went to uh, uh, Infantry Small Unit Leaders course. I went there. That was eye-opening for me. Uh, yeah. As far as deployment and everything. Oh, man. Talk on that. I mean, our instructors did a phenomenal job at that thing, and you're there with all your peers. You know, mm -hmm. you're all sergeants. Most guys are seasoned veterans. Uh, and then I can just remember doing the sand table exercises. I can remember getting absolutely destroyed by one of the gunnies there. I mean, he made me feel so small. Now, what, what, what did you do wrong? I think it was it was just like a platoon attack, and it was just like the way I employed my weapons. He you was, know, he just I, wasn't a fan. Was not a fan. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you know what it's like in front of your group of your peers, and you got you know that's this not guy cool. Yeah, yeah. Ripping your plan apart, you start seeing guys with their notes like you know like adjusting, changing everything. shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 man. I mean, that was great as far as employment goes with all weapon systems. You know, it was kind of like. I never got to go through a infantry unit leaders course, but I would say it was like a, it was the first ISALT course they ever ran. Yeah. So, so it was like, yeah. Cause that's new. Yeah. 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 It was like a, at the time, I mean, it was like a, a mini version of IULC, I guess I could say, you know, cause we were learning how to employ different weapons. I came out of there a lot smarter. Yeah. With them, I would say, I mean, and it helped my orders writing and everything. Cause then I went to team leaders course up in Quantico. Um, and you know, I was fortunate enough to be the honor graduate up there for that, uh, you know, and that helped me, sure. I mean, that's all I did, you know, so. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, uh, I think they've come a long way and then they're, they're continuing still to restructure, you know, like that entry level training and making it better and better. So I think it's even probably better than what we were going through. Um, I don't think probably I'd say absolutely better. Uh, yeah. but that's dope. And you, cause you, that's a that that's a that's a whole ass confidence boost right there when you can yeah. school after school after school and you're just honing and refining. Yeah. You know. yeah. So I went to those three schools before we deployed on the UDP. I mean, you know, and oh, you were yeah. tight on that then, huh? Uh, yeah. I mean, you know, you're doing your thing, and then we went out to uh, right after that deployment, we went out to uh, Yuma, and we did a package out there, which was awesome. The sniper uh, package. No, well, yeah, we did one while we were there, but we did a battalion. Oh, okay. Thing out there. So instead of like going to Mojave Viper or, you know, 29 Palms. Yeah. And we did like this, they did like this huge air package out there. Um, I mean, it was phenomenal training. I mean, where we stayed was like staying like, you know, you're developing a PB or, you know, or a cop or something like that, you know, or a fob. Sure. Uh, sleeping under the stars. Um, and I mean, like we got to work with all these air assets and you know 
You get to drop live ordinance out there? Uh, we we didn't get to control the ordinance, but we got to see ordinance get dropped because we did this, dude, we did this op out there. It was friggin' cool. So we were in the Chocolate Mountains out there. We get mm-hmm. air inserted. Um, I forget. I don't know if it was Blackhawks or Hueys, whatever we had out there. Um, we get air inserted, and our job is to, like, use HF comms to report back on this, like, they build, like, this mock village out there, like a mock town. Okay. So, and we have to do, set up a hide in this mountain and do observations of it. So, you know, we're like a click, click out of it. You know, we're doing observation, trying to send it back over HF, like data and everything like that. Um, But in the meantime, when we get inserted and doing our infill, they have like trackers out there trying to track us. Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was, it was pretty cool. And then they had like, um, you could see the, like, doing dog fights and everything out there like in the valley like over the mountains like these guys were you know getting their training in as well you know it was really cool oh you mean the pilots yeah yeah okay that's yeah. cool yeah it was cool man and then at the end of the exercise they blew up the town <laughs> yeah like yeah. napalm style bombs yeah like just blew it up dude like just rockets and everything you know oh they just went ham on it yeah it was cool and then uh then we did our exfil uh and met up with the major like some air major and everything like that and uh he brought us back but that that was one of the cooler training missions that i've actually done um that's dope dude yeah so we did that out there and then we went out to uh camp billy macon it's like uh i think it's right on i forget exactly what state it's in but it's Mm. like a small base where they do some training like so navy socom does there's they do some training out there it's like just a desert with ranges dude it's like perfect for training oh yeah dude i think like if you're if you're a marine and you want to get good at training i think i never spent a whole lot of time out there but if you go out west dude that is where you want to go to get good at your job i mean 100 percent. i always said that about 29 palms there's little by way of distraction and all the uh capability in the world for you to get good yeah i I never got out there either yeah, I mean it sucks like to live out there maybe. I don't know. Some guys might enjoy it, but I mean if you want to if you want to become if, if you're hard on training, I believe that's where you want to be. That's you where know? you want to be. And and I think they can even like lock ranges and such on as sergeants out there like as a squad leader, I think you can lock on 410 alpha or at least you used to could be able to. That, could you that, imagine like anytime yeah, you wanted you should run your squad through that? thinking back now you know i mean because when i got out i actually had orders there to three seven okay uh, i got out from those orders you know um yeah so uh you know we did we did that training there at camp billy making all ranges you know just doing a lot of range shooting and everything you know and then we came home um and then we went on the udp any highlights from the udp um the UDP, do, did you do any uh jungle training no oh yeah yeah talk about that a bit training jungle package that was pretty cool it was definitely unique um just between your route selection i guess because like there i mean during that time it was raining a lot you know and then they have the peanut butter mud hills and everything so you got to do a lot of rigging uh with ropes so you got to have guys that are good at that you know to pull yourself up alongside of stuff you know and everything takes a little bit longer for movement um you know and it's just i mean if you had to fight that war dude like those guys did you know, yeah, I, I've only talked to people about the jungle training, but I'm going to tell you right now, uh, different, Dude. man, different. 
dude, like just seeing that place, you know, I mean, it's Okinawa, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, I mean, like just that, fighting in that I was like, those Marines were hard, dude. Like there ain't no harder than woodpecker lips, baby. Yeah. Yeah. There ain't no getting past that. I mean, those guys, I give it all, all those guys deserve all the credit that, you know, in the world. Hundred percent, dude. I feel the same way. Like that fight, and and you know, we we're obviously going to have a bit of a bias because we had a different war. And we're biased right. towards our war, but man, the jungle, especially you run triple canopy, and then you talk about like Iwo Jima going up and yeah. fighting in those conditions. I don't think you can watch the movies, and I don't think people will understand like the rigor against your body and the grit that you need, even if you're in top tier shape to do some of that stuff. So yeah. those, those dudes are hand down badasses. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So we did that. I had a bad attitude there. Um, what, just because it wasn't combat? Yeah. Still, still carried over into the deployment I, a bit. Right. Yeah. I think my, my maturation wasn't all the way there as far as like, you know, having a good attitude about everything. I mean, we still trained hard. We still did all that stuff. I took advantage of those things. Our platoon sure. did with the opportunity. But, I mean, for myself personally, I feel like I could have got a lot more out of it. You know, like just uh, with things going on out in town and stuff, I stayed to the barracks. I didn't do much. You know what I mean? Like I went to sergeant's course out there. Um, I experienced failure out there. I failed urban sniper out there. Um, Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so, I mean – uh, my partner and I, we shot really good the whole way through. And then, uh, the last, uh, the last call, the last call, it's like a, I don't know what you would call it. It's like a chaos call, you know, it's, it's almost like a long PRS stage. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, a long PRS stage, pretty much, you know, uh, using a lot of max point blank, uh, unknown distance stuff, you know, and it's on time. Um, yeah, and I, uh, two times, you get two chances, you know? Like, your first time you fail, your second time you fail, both times I failed one shot. And that's know? it, pass or fail, and you that's get it, two fail. attempts. You go home, you know? And then. That's tough, man. Yeah. How yeah, far man. into the school were you when you when you failed I out? I mean, it's like the last week. Ugh. Yeah. And it was yeah, just a missed shot or missed time? I mean, no, they were missed shots. Okay. I mean, it's on me, you know? It was on me, no one else. You know, if other guys can, or if the course is designed for people to pass, of course it's designed for to be difficult, you know, to evaluate your skill level. But it wasn't my day, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it wasn't my day either. When I went back over to battalion and Gunner chewed my ass. Gunner you know? who? Uh, I forget. Is it was it McGuire? I can't Maybe. Remember. Might I don't have been know. McGuire. Yeah, yeah, he chewed our ass. And, <laughs> you know, and then I mean, it was what it was. You, just had to suck it up you know what i mean yeah sucks nothing you can dude. do about it except for yeah, do it better next time dude, you know and then fortunately from the schoolhouse i was able to go back again here at second eotg and you know i knocked it out of the park so you know fuck yeah yeah so it was failure is where growth is found yeah i mean that one hit hard dude you know it's hard it's hard i, I mean nobody likes failing failing yeah. doesn't feel good um but it's necessary you're right. It is yeah, necessary. Oh yeah. yeah. So what's next after that? Um. So we get back from the uh, UDP, and now I'm coming up on my time to where I can leave. You know, I'm starting mm. to look at orders and stuff like that, and I really wanted to go to the schoolhouse to teach. Like my heart was set on it. You know, 
and at the time it wasn't a combat instructor billet. You go there for two years, you know, you teach, and then you, you know, back to the fleet. You stay pretty fresh, you know. Check. Uh, so I ended up getting TAD orders for like a month there because uh because uh, uh Master Sergeant Hunt he hooked it up, you know, because he used to be our platoon sergeant three six. He knew me, knew my reputation, and uh. Then also Keller was there at the time. Smith was there at the time. And, you know, you had to turn in a resume and all that stuff. And, you know, uh, so I got over there uh, right before Christmas time frame, I think it was. And I'm all eager and everything. And, you know, they were off deck. They didn't have a class on. Um, you know, so I kind of had to wait after the first of the year and start, you know, to start teaching. And, and then, uh, yeah, from there. Now, in that off time coming in, you're like murder boarding, I assume, and going over just kind of the same way you would do it as a regular instructor so that you're up on the on the classes you're teaching or were you already good to go? Yeah, yeah, you get up to it. I definitely wasn't good to go as far as my way to communicate it to the student. Like, I can remember murder boarding and uh, I was taking uh, – I was getting ready to start the uh, field skills package, which I ended up taking over my time there. Uh, you know, it's the primary on field skills. And I remember the first time I taught the PowerPoint for stalking, it lasted 15 minutes. How long is it supposed to last? <laughs> At least an hour and a half. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, we're a bit quick coming in there. Yeah, 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 pretty much. And, um, you know, it's funny because I got all the other instructors out there in front of me critiquing me and everything. And they're just like, dude you need to relax and slow down mm -hmm. and you know, they kind of take you under the wing. They show you how to prepare with the, you know, your master lesson files. Oh yeah. On information and making notes with your own personal experiences and you know, where to use your visual aids and, you know, use somebody, you know, to, um, you know, is all that stuff. And then your practical application and all that that goes along with it during the class, sure. you know, break it up. And, you know, we, of course you get much better at it over time and then like you know after a while you just make small adjustments and you know you can almost like autopilot yeah you could just shit that thing out you know what i mean yeah it's definitely hits different if nobody if you if you've never pl been a platform instructor you've never had you know i don't know how big were your class sizes right around 20 usually 20 okay that's pretty good yeah yeah, I mean, and you public speaking, and you're up in front of people, and not only that, these kids are smart now. Like they know everything, yeah. and so you got to yeah. like. I, I remember being an instructor and getting in those master, master lesson files and getting deep into the weeds. I learned more about the profession than I ever learned before. Right? Yeah, so, I mean, because you're diving into the pubs. Yeah, saying. it's not only that you know what to do, but you be, you discover why and and yeah. who and the big thing is why. Yeah, and then you're like, man, this could really be some of these things could really be rewritten. You know what I mean? Oh, you yeah. that, you're like turning stuff in. You're like, Hey, what can we do with this? How can we adjust this? Yeah. And I'm not sure that we as an institution, you know? like the Marine Corps, uh, who am I? I'm nobody, but I don't think any new doctrine has been made. You had information come out. It may be one other one, but we didn't like write doctrine on IED defeat and discovery. I don't think. And we didn't write doctrine on how to patrol an urban environment in the middle East. I don't think. Right. And if we did, you know, my bad, big Marine Corps, I'd love to know that it's out there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but it's just weird back, to me. Yeah. Even going back to like, you know, the yellow jug thing and then uh, the metal detector. But then we started utilizing the sickle, you know, uh -huh. like, like, I don't know, like that stuff was just theater specific things. 
But there should always be. But they should be written down in case we go back to that fucking theater. Yeah, you're right. You know, because if it's in 10 or 15 years and all of us are gone and out and whatever, we're not instructing anymore. Somebody should have be like, well, what they did in, you know, the back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, and it sucked to be the guy that had to do it. But, you know, it's necessary. You need to know how to do it because if not, someone's going to get hurt, you know. That's it. And that's the point of doing these exact the, the exact point of that show is that these inf- this information be it not doctrine is fine but somebody can come find this and yeah, say well this yeah. is a look at how they used to do it or how yeah. they did do it you know what i mean yeah. so, so they don't have to learn those lessons in blood that's right they've already been learned in blood there's no reason that we have to do that twice yeah so do it right yeah, you know? the, the schoolhouse was great i just got burned out after a while i mean uh about halfway in it's not easy yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people go into the schoolhouse instructor bit thinking that, you know, they're going to have some time off. They're going to be non deployable. And, like, hands down, it was the hardest job I had in the Marine Corps, including deployment. Being right there at home and being on a deployment sucks. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. like, for that cycle, you're there. You're just I mean, there. Long days, dude. Long days, man. Oh, yeah. And I went through multiple staff and COICs there. Uh, you know, all of them phenomenal. Um, all of them great, you know, great leaders, you know, great teachers would challenge you every day, uh, you know, just to not, you know, to not suck. You know what I mean? Mm, like, mm-hmm. you're the example for those Marines coming through the door that want to be, you know, want to do your job. Want to be and, you. Yeah. Yeah. You need to teach them to be better than you. That's you know right. What I mean? You want them to be better because it makes your job easier in the long run. Yeah. And like people forget, like, this is a small Marine Corps. You might be there you know, advanced school guy, and they might end up in one of your sections later. Yeah. Right? So yeah. when you train them bad, now you're going to be working with that. So I think I think that we do a good job of knowing where they're going, knowing where we're going, knowing who they're going to, our friends potentially. And so you want to put out the best product you can. Absolutely. Yeah, and then, then um, from I think I was like two years in, uh, they were like, hey, this is becoming a uh, – you know, you're going to be able to get your special duty assignment out of this. So we were like, oh, cool. Mm. We're like, uh, will our time be grandfathered in? You know, because we had already spent two years there or whatever it was. Um, maybe it was one. And because um, what was it? A three-year billet, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it was one. So um, they're like, yeah, we're going to send you guys through a condensed combat instructor school since you guys have already been doing this. You're just going to go through like, uh, you know, we had to do the platform training. Uh, all that you know, like SOPs and shit like that. Yeah, yeah, For, the formal stuff. Yeah, yep, all the formal stuff and everything. And then uh, we had to teach class and all that. And then I think it was like three or four weeks long, maybe. Um, and then you know we got our MOS and you know they kicked us back, but they were saying our time was going to be grandfathered in. They were going to let us choose whether we wanted to restart our time or not. Mm-hmm. Well, I remember a handful of us were like, "Nah, we don't want to restart our time. We want to, you know." Let's just continue on. I got two more years, and then I'll be back in the fleet or whatever it is, you know, another year. Sure. Um, so then, uh, yeah, it ended up turning out, nah, hey, your time's starting all over again. Time starts now, three more years. Yeah, and you were so, there that – so you were there at four uh, years total? I was, I was there almost four years when I got out. Oh, man. Yeah, and you want to talk about being burned out by that time? I mean, I was to that point, but, you know, you got to show up, you know? That's right. You got a responsibility to the last day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, met some phenomenal guys. I think I ended up doing like, I don't know, 15 or 16 basic courses or something. 13, maybe. I can't remember. Wow. Uh, a lot. Yeah. And, um, 
would have loved to work in some team leaders courses and stuff there, but never got the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then from there, uh, I got orders to uh, 3-7, and I was going to go. So, you know, my wife and I had a discussions about it, you know, you know what they're like. They're, they're not always easy. Yeah, you know? yeah. But she was just graduating college uh, as a teacher, and she wanted to start her career, you know, so – I had to make a decision. It was like either go, go by yourself, probably wouldn't end up working out or get out and find something else, you know? So. And you chose the latter. Yeah. I chose my family ultimately, you know, I think that's the way it would have went, even though it wasn't presented like that to me, but we all know how the game goes, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think it's admirable that you chose your family, uh, especially if you're burned out and you feel like you can't give what you once were giving. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the way. That's the way. And so where did you guys resettle to? Where'd you get out to? Back um, so, back back up to Jersey area or Yeah, we decided to come back up here near family. Yeah. Um yeah, and then uh yeah, we we uh moved in with my so she came home to get a job while I was still in. I still had like four or five months left, so I moved in with a buddy. Um he let me stay at his place until I got out. And um yeah, then we moved in with my father for a little while and then we bought a house. I mean for a few months and then we bought a house and, and where'd the journeyman uh path kind of start oh the lineman thing so so i got a job initially with an electrician and no i mean um, like was that your plan getting out or did you just get out and say fuck it i'll wing it and i'll find something I mean, like i mean no no i mean i i kind of you know uh so initially i got out and i got right into the uh state police academy up here okay um, it didn't work out for me. I got hurt after like six or seven weeks, my wrist busted up my wrist. And, uh, so I got dropped. I was able to go back if I wanted to, but at that point I was like, no, there's no way I'm going to another boot camp. Um, you know, yeah, that'd be just, tough. Yeah. I just wasn't going to do it. And mentally, I don't think I was there for it anymore. Like it, I was done, you know? Sure. Uh, and then, uh, so then I needed to find a job once that happened. Uh, so I got a job with an electrical contractor. Um, it was good work and everything, but I wanted more, you know? Um, so then I ended up applying and getting into, you know, our utility up here. Um, and then was able to, after about a year of doing some dispatcher work, working in an office, uh, I was able to bid into one of these positions here and, you know, start my lineman apprenticeship. Yeah, that's dope. And, and, um, we talked about a little bit before, but talk about that as a transition job, as far as what you like pros and cons kind of thing for the yeah, guys so, that may be transitioning out there listening to the show. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's great work. You're going to be around like-minded people as ourselves, you know, um, it's not always easy work. There is, you know, it, it can be very difficult at times, um, but you're going to deal with like-minded people, you know, and that's what I say, you know, it's not the same work obviously, but it's, you know, the work might be hard, but guys are going to talk to you like men, you know what I mean? Uh, you got to have a thick skin because guys are going to break your balls about stuff, you know, and that's what makes, you know, those long hours. You sometimes have to work great. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, you know, and then also, you know, you're going to make good money. You know what I mean? Because it is. It's even though it's a, it's a very safe job, it's a dangerous job. You know, Oh, that's a fact. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's rules that have to be followed in that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, with, from day one there, I was like. They're like, 
you know, be careful you say that mm-hmm. stuff to. I'm like, nah, dude, it's nothing. You know, like this place is like, it reminds me of the Marine Corps so much sometimes, you know? <laughs> well, that's <laughs> great. That makes for but, a good you know, transition, I would yeah, assume. Yeah, with your, you know, because it got us, you know, like a chain of commands a little different, all that stuff, however you want to word it and everything. But, you know, it's still all there. Your small unit leadership and everything like that, you know, sure. your leadership at times. And, and you got you know, personalities and you got little, oh, yeah. you got storms and mini deployments to ride in yeah. trucks with. Yeah, guys get tired and pissed and you know what I mean? Like it's just nature of the job, you know? Yeah. But it's uh yeah, it's it's a great time. I'm really enjoying it. Got a couple more years left. Now, how long do you have to apprentice before you're you don't have so, to apprentice? So the way our uh the way ours works at our utility is like it's about four and a half years total. Um and every year you test out to go to a different classification, a mm. higher class and then you go back to class and then you know it repeats until you actually uh pass your uh last test your uh journeyman's test so yeah and i'm in year two now so a couple more years to go hell yeah and so once you pat okay so two more years comes and then let's say you take your journeyman test and you pass it then what what's that mean I mean, now I'm just a... Now you're a journeyman lineman and you're making top pay, basically? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yep. Yeah, just a qualified to do, you know, pretty much everything. And right then when you're, you know, I hear guys say, you know, that's one of the most dangerous times because, you know, you you can work everything, but you haven't seen everything yet, you know? You're qualified to do everything, but you haven't done everything, you know? Uh, That's what they say. It's like, you know... Got to pay extra attention and not get complacent. Right, yeah, yeah, and I mean these guys do a good job at training us and take care of us. So, you know, yeah, that's awesome, man. So what's that? I know that you had a long range, um, instruction, you know, company kind of on the back burner. Is that going to stay on the back burner for a bit or what are we looking like for a bit just because of time, I just got to, you know, sort some things out with that. And then, you know, once, uh, once I decide to, you know, kick that thing off again, you know, I'll be in touch about it and all that. But yeah, as of right now, I yeah, I, absolutely, dude. But when the time comes, though, let's get that up and promote it. I'd like to get uh, at least the listening audience and the guys that want to take part. We, we need to let them know what's uh, what's up when the time comes. So yeah. you guys in the listening audience, definitely be on the lookout for that. Um, well, dude, we've been going for an uh, hour and 45 minutes. Um, is there any – I got two more questions at the end, but is there anything we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, I got I got something. Uh and I think everybody needs to hear it. I think, uh, you know, suicide has impacted this community, um, you know, the war fighting community, along with others. And uh, I think it's impacted both of us personally, you know, with people we know, people that we love. And I just want to say, man, you know, if, if anybody out there listening or anything or you know anybody that's hurting, hey, you're not alone. And, you know, I don't care what time it is, you know, hit me up on whatever, you know what I mean, whatever social media platform you might have, you know, I have Instagram and all that. I'm sure Ryan can leave, uh, you know, the link and everything. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm sure Ryan feels the same way as you do, because I mean, even though you may be in some dark places, you know, you got brothers that have been there too. And, uh, we're here for one another. That's right. right. So I, I do want to get that out there because, you know, it's just, it's enough is enough, you know? But, yeah. It's an epidemic, man, for sure. And I think, you know, um, you know, there's several of us now from the 10 or 11 time frame that have lost more people out of combat than we lost in the fucking war. Um, 
and yeah, we got to put a stop to it. We, we got to be the uh, generation of change guys with generation that talk and go get our help, get our counseling, you know, um, and, and most of all, be there for each other. Uh, you know, like Kyle alluded to, enough is enough. Let's uh, let's not become a confirmed kill for the enemy 13 years later. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and, and and we've all been, we, look, we've all been there. We've all been, you know, the, when the demon calls, the, you know, it's going to have its way. It has a say too. But picking up that phone, reaching out is, is far better than, than approaching it on your own. Um, so let's do better about that as a group for sure. Yeah. Um, and I would say, you know, one last thing is like, you know, when it's, when it hit me is like, you know, when you're in, you have that therapeutic advantage. I don't even think you know about because we tell stories. We talk about past events that have happened. Somebody may have not even been in your unit, but you'll share a story with them or something. And they have the same experience as you. And I think that that's some sort of therapy after thinking back that you don't even realize that you're getting, you know, you mm. may have a couple laughs about it or whatever, you know, you're able to talk about things every single day is where it bothered me is when, when I got out, you stopped having those everyday conversations with the warfighters that, you know, that you were with, you know, and it, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, you can stay connected because having a conversation with, you know, normal people, even though I'm getting better at it, it's like, it's not always easy. Cause mm. you're, you know, you find yourself explaining the acronyms and, you know, different things or TTPs or SOPs that you all get, you know, you just throw something out there and, you know, we get it, mm. you know, I would just, you know, just, yeah, I think to a lot of guys and I talk about it on the show a lot, but a lot of, a lot of guys are fulfilling a purpose bigger than themselves when they're, when they're in the core, in the Navy or, you know, whatever service branch and they don't even realize it. And then when they get out, they're no longer feeling this selfless act and these selfless purpose anymore. And they don't know what's missing. And it's like that void and it's in their gut. And it's like, they don't know what it is, but something's missing. And if that you, if that's you, if you fall in that category, get out there and do something with zero expectation from the person that you're doing it for, get out there and give back. And, uh, and you'll, you'll fill that up a little bit for sure. Yeah. And I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. You got to be selfless and, um, and you got to have purpose. You got to have a mission to strive for. If you're waking up every day and you don't have anything to go do and you're not working out and you're not keeping yourself to a routine, you're doing yourself a disservice. So, uh, don't let yourself fall into that category that the shuffle aside category, the forgotten about category. Don't, don't let yourself do that. You know, be proactive in your measures, establish a routine, establish an action plan. You can start as early as right now and then, and then hold yourself to it. And if you need help, you reach out to somebody like Kyle and myself, somebody you served with and, and have those conversations and then, and then get after it. Um, so Kyle, man, thanks for coming on. I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. And, and, uh, finally, you know, we finally getting this together. We've been talking offline for a while and, uh, finally got it down. So I, I couldn't be more thrilled to have you on, man. It was, it was a, uh, it was an honor to have you on the show. And it was, it was awesome to talk, bro. Yeah, it was great, Ryan. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah, man. All right, guys, until next time, it's Choices Not Chances. Well, that concludes this episode. Thanks for listening to Choices Not Chances podcast. Please share, like, and subscribe wherever you listen or watch our podcast. You can also follow us on social media at Choices Not Chances podcast. Thanks, and have a great day. Louisiana Gun Shop, your firearm headquarters. 
specializing in concealed carry guns, ammo, and training. You can get your Louisiana permit with us. Also, a large selection of AR-15s, or if you are that build-it-yourself type of guy or gal, we have all the parts to build and customize your own AR-15. Glock, Sig, Taurus, Ruger. We have all the brands, both in the store or at louisianagunshop.com. Not too far. You're marking a building. Hit him. Yeah, that's good. That's a good shot. That's a funny. Yeah. Yeah.